Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. We're in a series on 1 Peter. And one of the blessings of preaching through a book of the Bible or even reading a book of the Bible as you do your devotionals is the opportunity to dig into some topics that you normally wouldn't look at if you were just doing a topical study or kind of skipping around in your Bible. Last week, we talked about putting ourselves under human authority for the sake of showing people Jesus. And that's not something that I normally would have sought out to preach on, uh, but First Peter covers it, so we did too. And God is really, really good at running the universe. Uh, many of you said how much of a blessing that message was to you personally. As we approach this morning's message, we, we have to remember that context is everything. If we want to hear from God and hear from his word, we, we have to look at the word in context. I can't stress that enough because we are reading the Bible in a different time and in a different culture. And we are sometimes tempted to interpret the word of God in ways that God didn't intend to speak but without understanding the context Sometimes we're even tempted to dismiss the Word of God like it doesn't even apply to us anymore. Uh, It's important to remain open to the Spirit and study the Word in context and listen for God to speak. Last week, we could have really got hung up on the terms master and slave and dismiss the whole passage as not applying to us anymore. Or we could have been offended thinking God actually approved of slavery. Understanding context was the key. In our context, the employer-employee relationship was a much, much better example of what Peter was addressing even in his day. It's a better application. We are to place ourselves under human authority with the intent of making an impact for Jesus. Not to mention, all the biblical truth that said captives, we all were captives to sin and we are now free in Christ. Those are the biblical seeds that bore fruit that all people are free in Christ. Therefore, slavery is unacceptable to God. Hallelujah. God is really good at running the universe. He sees that long view of history, and planted seeds for something that bore fruit in our day. When I read the first seven verses of 1 Peter chapter 3 for this morning's message, I lightheartedly kind of said to Jesus, you know what, can I skip this part? (laughs) Um, Because this passage, more than any passage probably in 1 Peter, has been pushed back against and rejected because people don't understand it in context. But truthfully, I am passionate about proclaiming this truth from 1 Peter. I'm passionate about that because I have daughters. And our culture 
lies to them and twists this beautiful truth to mean something that God never intended. So let, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3 together, and I'll make some comments as I go along. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now, let me start with the phrase, in the same way. And what Peter is doing is he's connecting the instruction he's giving to wives to the message we actually heard last week about humbling ourselves to human authority to show people Jesus. He's saying, wives, put yourself in a position to serve And love your husband so that if your husband doesn't know Jesus, they see him in the way that you love them. Notice it also says, to your husband. So this isn't like some blanket statement to all women to submit to men. That is not what Peter is saying. This, Peter says... If we humble ourselves and show love, Peter says, wise, if you do that, you will show your non-believing husbands Jesus. It's important to note, like we did last week, that in this context, women didn't have a choice culturally but to submit to their husbands. Women at this point in history were not as free as men. They did not have the same legal rights. They did not have the same opportunities that men did. So, in the same way that Peter addressed slaves or employees as free individuals and asked them in that culture to humble themselves and obey and or submit to show their employee or their husband Jesus. That's what Peter is saying in this passage. Everybody with me? None of you ladies want to throw anything at me yet? (laughs) If so, I think I'm doing good. Um, As a side note, Scripture tells believers to look to marry another believer. And that's really, really important. But Peter is addressing people who were already married as the gospel went out after the resurrection, and one of the partners accepted Jesus and the other one didn't. But if you are in a situation where you're already married to an unbeliever or you're divorced, I just want to say as a church, we're not here to like judge you and throw rocks at you. We are here to love you and support you. We're here to encourage you to walk into God's best for your future, not condemn you. We're here to affirm that God wants to use you and us to reach your spouse and heal your heart. All things are possible with Jesus. Women being set free in Christ and being fellow heirs of salvation, and Peter's going to get to that term in a minute, are the freedom seeds that would eventually give way to women being seen as equal 
to men. Now, we're not the same, but we are of equal worth in the eyes of God. Scholars believe that many of the churches that Peter's writing to are made up of women and slaves of different classes. Those who are oppressed have always been more receptive to the gospel. God has always been for the weak, the poor, the orphan, the widow, and the brokenhearted. God is said to to not be a respecter of persons. But if you look at Scripture, God is for the underdog. Unfortunately, the American institution of slavery twisted Peter's words to justify it. And likewise, in the same way, many men have twisted his words to demand a woman's submission. In fact, we almost can't hear what Peter wants us to hear without acknowledging the abuses that men have placed upon women over the years. Women in our country were not given the right to vote. They were not given the same pay for the same work. They were not given the same opportunity to education or health care or the same legal support. And those are some of the abuses in the free world. Man, you go to other countries and with other religions, and they are not favorable to women at all. I get fired up about this topic because Jesus was an advocate for women. Even the disciples were shocked when they saw him speaking to a Samaritan woman. Jesus let Mary sit at his feet as he taught. That was the place in that culture that only men were allowed to occupy. God even worked it out that two women were the first witnesses to the resurrection. And they went and told the men he was alive. According to the Old Testament, it required two men to be a witness to any truth. Two women's testimony wouldn't have been valid, but God worked it out that two women were the witnesses to the resurrection. Ladies, God is on your side. Jesus changed everything for women. So it upsets me when I hear modern-day feminists pointing to Christianity as being oppressive to women. There have been abuses in every culture, but to blame that on Jesus is a lie. And oftentimes, it's a lie that our young ladies are being told and often believe because they don't understand the context of Scripture. Ladies, biblical writers were speaking to a much different culture And if you study the context, if you study the word, the freedom that women now have is rooted in Jesus. He is for you. Peter talks about a woman's life, purity, and reverence, showing her husband Jesus without words, with quiet. But Peter isn't saying that women should be silent. He was dealing with the reality of the day, which didn't allow women to speak on those matters. So what Peter did is he encouraged women to speak with their lives. Thank God our culture is different. Women are encouraged to speak the truth in love like everyone else. 
But Peter, in this context, was giving women a voice and a purpose in the way that they lived in Jesus' name. Peter then says, picking up with verse 3, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle spirit, gentle and quiet. There's that quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Ladies, Peter is not saying that you can't wear jewelry or fix your hair or wear nice clothes or put on makeup. Peter is saying, ladies, that God sees you. He sees your heart. He thinks you are just as beautiful in t-shirts and sweats as he does if you are all done up for a wedding. In every culture throughout time, there have been there has been a lot of pressure on women to look a certain way. Isn't that right, ladies? It is hard for women to see their beauty as separate from the way that they look. It, it, it's hard to value who you are apart from your appearance. It's hard to measure up to all those photoshopped images and expectations. Am I right, ladies? Peter is warning women not to fall into that trap. His words are not aimed at oppression. This is God affirming where your true beauty lies, your inner self and your spirit. So you can do your hair and put on makeup and put on jewelry, but know that God and your husband, if he loves you as Jesus does, sees that your beauty is much deeper than what's on the surface. Peter then shares an example from Israel's past that this teaching isn't just for those who have unbelieving husbands. Love and humility isn't just an evangelism strategy. It is good for all people uh, in all time, in all situations. And Peter says, love and humility is how godly women of the past love their God-fearing husbands. Picking up with verses 5 and 6. For this is the way that holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, just in case any of you husbands are thinking you like the idea about being called Lord. You know, don't go elbowing your wife. Like, hey, I kind of like the sound of that. Peter is not saying wives should call their husbands Lord. The point is Sarah spoke to Abraham with love and respect. And Peter's takeaway is in the last half of verse 6. He says, wives, do what is right and don't give way to fear. Guys, ladies are tempted to give into fear because we are tempted to take advantage of them as they love us, as God says they should. In the United States alone, around 60,000 women per year are raped. Three to six million women 
per year suffer violence in their own home. Men have not always treated women as God instructed us. Peter is saying to the ladies, trust the work of God in your husband, who will not take advantage of you if they are loving you as Jesus commanded them to love you. Before we get into Peter's instructions to us men, I want to speak to those of you who are single and or dating, because I think our culture lies to you as well. If you are single, you are not half a person. Uh, Despite what Jerry Maguire, and I'm dating myself there, said, a a, a spouse doesn't complete you. God completes you. He makes you whole. A spouse can complement you. In Christ, you are whole. The, The modern feminist movement thinks that they are saying something new when they proclaim, I don't need a man to complete me. That's not something new. We were never meant to complete one another. We are made whole in Christ. And once you are, you have a good shot of complimenting a spouse in Jesus' name. For those of you who are single or dating, life doesn't magically get easier when you find someone to marry. One sinner living with another sinner all the time isn't easy. That, that's more like a cage fight than anything else. Uh, <laughs> if you are single, God has gifted you with this beautiful thing called the church. You are not alone. You are being built together with this awesome group of living stones called the church. Uh, my wife and I will be married 27 years this month. So you can, you can pray for that woman. She has served 27 years of a life sentence. So it's, it's, it's all good. Just to take some pressure off you single folks. When God saw that man was alone without someone to compliment him, he created the woman and brought her to the man. So you don't need to stress over finding the right man or the right woman. If you are meant to be with someone, God will bring that person to you when the time is right. For now, know that you are whole in Christ and enjoy the community of faith in your brothers and sisters. You are not alone. Remember, God is really good at running the universe. He has your whole future in mind, and it's good. Be patient and trust him. All right, let's pick back up with our text. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Again, notice Peter's intentional use of in the same way. He is calling for mutual submission, for mutual humility from husbands as well. I think Paul says it's the clearer of any other author in Ephesians 5.21, which says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's important to note that Peter is calling for 
a specific type of consideration as husbands live with their wives. And you might be surprised that the Bible even covers a topic like this, but here it is. Uh, again, I would never think to preach on this, but it's in First Peter, so we're going there. The word Peter uses for live with. Husbands, as you live with your wives, it's specific to sexual relations. And what Peter is telling men to be considerate of is that the fact that their wives aren't as physically strong as they are when it comes to physical intimacy. And he says, because women are equals, because women are fellow heirs with you in Christ, they are not to be forced or taken advantage of. These considerations in living together are truly the seeds that give women full equality in our world. Spiritually speaking, Peter then throws out a comment that says, do this, men, so that nothing hinders your prayers. Peter's kind of firing a shot across the bow saying, God sees. He cares for your wife. And there are consequences for disobedience to not loving her with respect. Husbands and wives are to be intentional about showing love to one another and putting each other's needs in front of their own. Marriage was designed to show people God's unconditional love. When we take that submission, when we take that realm, and we take the word submission and we start talking about what our rights are and what what our spouse is required to do. I think we've, we've gotten the things way out of whack when it comes to the love of God. Scripture says a marriage should be about love and service. If it becomes about getting your way or getting what we want, if we have to be forceful or manipulative, we should probably ask, why do I have to be forceful or manipulative to get what should, what should flow freely in this relationship? Guys, our strength is a blessing from God. And we are to use it to protect and to provide. We are we are to lead through humility and servanthood. Peter's charge to be considerate means we should study our spouse and look for ways to show them specific love that meets their specific needs. Marriage was created by God to reflect God's love for us, his church. The love between a husband and wife is supposed to be the best reflection of his unconditional love that this world has ever seen. I see people's posts on Facebook and they'll post a picture of like a sunset or a beach scene and they'll say, man, isn't God amazing? You know that people should see that in your love for your spouse? They, they should see the way that you love one another, serve one another, the way that you talk about your significant other, your spouse, and say, man, isn't that just like God's love for his church? Let's, let's church, let's love so deeply 
that it shows people Jesus. And if you're single, man, you've got game too because you can love the body of Christ. You are not alone. And show people Jesus with the way that you love deeply too. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would empower your church this morning. God, that we would be known by our love and that we could so fully, deeply, with humility in our hearts, love one another, love our husband, love our wife, God, that, that people see Jesus in us and that they are drawn to him, not pushed away. God, I, I specifically want to pray for, for our young daughters who are growing up in this culture that just says, you know what, religion is so oppressive and the church is all this. And God, freedom is found in you. You see exactly who we are. Your love is empowering, but it's not prideful or rude or angry. God, in you, we experience true love and we can show true love. So we give you thanks and praise and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church Podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.